0: Warning, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, contains adult content. Harry and others use profanity, adult language, and discuss adult topics, and so shall we. One more warning, this podcast may contain spoilers. I must stress this for this chapter and the entire podcast, so please proceed with extreme caution. Bosch, a new voice was on the line, said, Assistant Chief Irving here, what's your location? I'm in Mexicali. I want you in my office at 0800 tomorrow. Bosch didn't hesitate. He knew he couldn't show any kind of weakness. Can't do that, Chief. I have some unfinished business here that'll probably take me through tomorrow at least. We're talking about a fellow officer's murder here, Detective. I don't know if you realize this, but you might be in danger yourself. I know what I'm doing. It's a fellow officer's murder that brings me here. Remember? Or doesn't more matter? Irving ignored that. You're refusing my direct order to return? Look, Chief, I don't care what some bartender's telling you. You know I wasn't the doer. Never mind that. But your conversation already reveals that you know more about this than you should if you weren't involved. All I'm saying that the answers to a lot of questions about Moore, Porter, and the rest are down here. It's all down here. I'm staying. Detective Bosch, I was wrong about you. I gave you a lot of rope this time because I thought I detected a change in you. I see that I was wrong. You fooled me once. You, Chief, I'm doing my, don't you interrupt me. You may be unwilling to follow my explicit commands to return, but don't you interrupt me. I'm telling you that you don't want to return? Fine. Don't. But you might as well never return, Bosh. Think about that. What you had before won't be waiting for you when you get back. Hello, and welcome to the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. I'm Philip Parker, a retired police detective with over 29 years of law enforcement experience. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to rate us five stars or better. Also, join us at www.thethinbluelinepod.com for more investigative content where you will find more detailed experience concerning Harry Bosch and Michael Connolly. Now all that bullshit's out the way, it's time to get to work and probe into chapters 21 through 24 of The Black Ice. Last time on the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, we explored chapters 17 through 20 of The Black Ice, where, per their phone conversation, Harry meets Kovo, the DEA agent, who was working with Moore. Harry tells Covo he plans to go to Mexico. Harry tells Covo everything he has, including the theory that Zareo is using Envirobreed to transport drugs into the United States. Covo tells Harry that Envirobreed is directly across from Zareo's ranch. Covo also says that Zareo usually is very visible, but has not been seen at the ranch for a couple of weeks. Kova also informs Bosch that the barrio Zarell was from utilizes a moniker of a devil with a hello. Bosch puts together that this is the same tattoo that is on Moore's arm. Harry decides to stop by Moore's apartment, feeling the need to get some type of inspiration. Sylvia arrives at the apartment to acquire Moore's dress blues to be buried in. In a moment of need, hunger, and loneliness, Bosch and Sylvia make love. En route to Mexico, Harry reflects on the death of his mother, growing up in different youth shelters, and the one time he met his father, who was a famous trial attorney. Bosch goes to the hotel he plans to stay, planning to check in and then go to Mexicali. However, Bosch is given a list of messages waiting for him from Pounds and Irving. Bosch calls and speaks to Edgar, informs him that Porter is dead and that Porter's body was found in a landfill. Edgar also tells Bosch that Porter was killed at a downtown business. Bosch realizes that Porter must have been killed while he was getting coffee. Bosch also realizes that when the police interview the bartender, the man will remember him and his altercation with Porter. When Bosch arrives in Mexico Bosch connects with investigator Aguilar, who was the cop who reported Wando, 67, missing. During this episode, we will be taking a deep dive into chapters 21 through 24 of the Black Ice. As always, there's a prerequisite, spoiler alerts. It's my intentions to stay away from spoilers, but sometimes shit happens. So proceed with caution. And now, the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. Let's open up the murder book and turn a page to the chronological record so that we can do an investigative summary of the information gathered thus far in this chapter. Both Bosch and Aguilar go to the home of Wando 67 to make notification. The widow identifies Wando 67 as her husband, Fanel Gutierrez-Losa. Upon prompting from Aguilar, Harry searches Gutierrez Losa's home and finds pay stubs from Envirobreed. The fruit fly business Harry suspects plays a role in the sale of black ice in Los Angeles. Harry and Aguilar go to Envirobreed, but doesn't find any cooperation. Later at his hotel, Bosch calls and speaks to Lieutenant Pounds and then Deputy Irving who orders Bosch to return to Los Angeles. Bosch tells Chief Irving that he has more information to follow up on in Mexico. Upon hearing this, Irving infers that Bosch's job is in jeopardy. Later at his hotel, Bosch meets with special agent Ramos of the DEA. Romo expressed to Bosch that the DEA is preparing a search warrant for Zirio's ranch and Enviobreed, but lack information concerning illicit narcotics and the transportation from Zirios ranch to Enviobreed. After Romo's leaves, Bosch is looking out his window, and then someone takes a shot at him, signaling to him that he's getting close to finding a killer. Bosch then breaks into Envirobreed and finds a tunnel that appears to be connected to the business and the ranch belonging to the drug lord Zuriel across the street. And it gets us to this episode's big idea. So let's lift up the yellow tape and examine the clues for the defining theme for chapters 21 through 24 is trust is one, not given. Hello, and welcome back to the Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch. And we start this episode with Harry and uh, Investigator Aguilar driving to Wando 67's uh, location for identification purposes. And while you're driving a car, especially with someone new, you got to feel people out. And this is a very confined place. And again, one of the reasons why I like Michael, because this is a prime opportunity to feel, get a feel for who Aguilar is. And Aguilar is trying to get a measure of Bosch, too. I think he already has a measure of him because of the manner in which Bosch, you know, just remember yesterday in the book, uh, Bosch just called down to get an identification of Wando 67 just because the hairs of the back of his neck went up when he talked to uh, Captain Grigna. So in Route there, there's a couple of things that Harry and Aguilar start right off the bat, you know, start hitting it off right off the bat. One, Harry had picked up on the fact that Aguilar's co-workers called him Charlie Chan. And that's a direct reference to Aguilar's Asian descent. And Harry asked him, you know, what's that all about? And pretty much, you know, Aguilar said, hey, look, you know, I'm a outsider— you know, to these guys, you know, even though I'm born and raised here, you know, my, my heritage, I will always be known as outsider and Bosch kind of, you know, him and Bosch started, you know, building these bricks, this trust bricks with each other. And One of the trust bricks is the fact that, you know, Bosch said, well, you know, I kind of understand that because that's who Bosch is. That's his character for the last, last book. And now we get in this book, Harry is, he lives in the world where be part of the family. And that's always what will get him in trouble because he doesn't subscribe to being, quote unquote, part of the family. He lets the chips fall as they may. And one of the, again, another brick, you know, let's use this metaphor bricks. Another brick that Harry is building with this tr- the trust brick that Harry's building with Aguilar is the fact that he asks, he as in Bosch asks Aguilar about the different boroughs in, Mex- in Mexico. And Bosch already knows the answer. And he knows the answer, so he just wants to test the veracity of Aguilar, and Aguilar uh, tells it to him straight. But then I like the fact how, in route there, Aguilar calls Bosch out. You know, he says to him, you know, hey, um, I, I understand the fact that you're not going to tell me about these other cases and why you asked me about these other different um, borrows. But, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait it out. And I guess in Aguilar's world, you know, Mexico, Mex- Mexican police have this stereotype. And so he's uh, used to it. And But it seems like he's being, he'll be patient with it up to a certain point. And, again, I, I have to, you know, give Aguilar a thumbs up on that because he understands it. And he doesn't really take it personally. But he also says, that, you know, to me, he's saying, judge me by who I am, not by the reputation of some of my peers. And remember, I, I've always said, and it's true in law enforcement, that your reputation comes through the door first. And let's, the, the Mexican police at this time have a reputation. And, you know, Covo had told him, don't trust the, the st- state locals. Do not trust the state locals. And here, Covo might be right. But remember, Harry's out there by himself. But now Aguilar understands he has to overcome that stigma that information before because he's fighting that. So he's never met Bosch before, but he's fighting that he has to fight this whole stigma of the, of the stink. Well, I wouldn't call it stink, but the, the bad, the bad information about uh, the Mexican police. And so upon arriving to what Michael described as the sheriff of this particular uh, town. And again, uh, Aguilar described, he's not really a sheriff, but he's like a peacekeeper. And, Bosch gets out of the car and he kind of feels for his weapon. Now, I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, since I've been retired, not having having a weapon on your side for 29 years plus and you don't have it there, it is a strange feeling. And I do remember the times when I traveled internationally or, you know, for personal personal or, you know, when I went on vacations, you still kind of... You just, I'm, a, I'm a right-handed person, so you, you still put your elbow there. You kind of, you know, that, that feeling that, that, okay, your weapon is there. Because as a cop, even though wherever you are, you're still a cop. You can't take that out. And you size up situations. And again, It it, it drove my wife absolutely crazy, especially, you know, we're going out to dinner, you know, we go to the movies, uh, even on vacation. You know, there my wife is sitting in. It's kind of hard to turn off. Now, I was able to do this later on, but it's kind of hard to turn off being a cop. So when you walk into a room, you size up the room very quickly and you know okay what's my exit points you start doing this and it's crazy you start ticking off your ticking in your head okay what's my exit points where the threat the threat comes in where would the threat come from and then if the threat comes in what would i do you know these different scenarios okay if the threat comes in if i want my child okay i got to do these things i got to protect her or i got to protect tim or my wife my wife okay you know well my wife already knows you know, what to do in certain situations because we we discussed it. But think about that's what cops do. We think analytically and strategically. You have to think that for survival, especially when you're armed because we, especially nowadays, if you look at some of the shootings that happen around the country and the citizens demand for us to take action. You know, I've been a trained um, person and you have to take some type of action. As a matter of fact, in our, my general orders, uh, there is a provision in there that you must take take some type of police action. If if it takes, if it com- comes upon you to take police action, you have to take some type of police action. And I'm pretty sure that's pretty much anywhere. So, cops, it's kind of hard to turn that switch off and on because You know, we mostly go into the fire. We don't run away from the fire. So if you're going to go into the fire, it behooves you to come up with a plan on how to get in and out of that fire. And again, I'm sorry to digress, but, you know, my whole idea is I want to get you, the listeners, in the atmosphere of what cops go through, what we talk about, what we think about, and how we process a particular scene. And so here we go, um, to bring it back to, you know, topical, is now we have um, Harry and Aguilar going into a place Bosch gets out of the car and he feels his weapon, and that's what I mean. I gave you that different scenarios because that's what's going through his mind, and it is a sense of comforting feeling that you have that weapon because at the uh, it, at the last resort, you know you can at least fall back with that weapon to help you whatever help you through whatever situation. After um, Bosch, uh, Aguilar, and the sheriff, then goes to the it's not even the house as 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 Aguilar described it the Hubble the the shack in which. Uh, Wando 67 uh, lives in uh, he meets the uh, wife and then that brings back Harry's visions of meeting Sylvia Moore and you know from the book you know pretty much she says you know women always know they just seem to know and that is true it's not so much that they know that they know something is better when you have a cops knock on the door it's been, my, it's, been my, uh, it's been my experience that if you have law enforcement knock on your door and they or we encounter a female, females automatically put it towards, again, I'm sorry for the stereotype, but I'm just based on my experience. Females mostly put it towards their loved ones. Okay, why are you here? It's my loved one. What, what's wrong with my loved one? And maybe that's the n- naturing, nurturing um, manner of females. Again, this is just very broad strokes. So I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm doing very broad strokes. And normally, when you knock on the door, and it's a guy, most guys are like, okay, what's, "What's the property? What's the problem? Is it my car? <laughs> you no, know, is it? Is it my motorcycle? Is is it a property thing? You no, know, we do finally get to, is it my spouse or my is, is my spouse or my my loved ones? <laughs> most guys <laughs> kind of are selfish. You know, we men are. You know, again. I know I'm going to get in trouble. This is very broad brushes here. So I hope I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just giving you my experience. And my experience is when I knocked on a door to give some information, most women associate information as about a loved one. You know, someone's close to them. And here, as Bosch says it, and I think Michael picked up this from other cops, is that most women know. You know, it's a loved one. It's something wrong with a loved one. And here we have Wando, 67's wife, understanding, okay, it's here about my husband. Something's happened. And, you know, what we have here is an example. Now, This is, again, back in 1993 when this book was made. And this is, let me see, I just became a detective in 92-ish. And so I went to investigative school. They taught us how to lift prints. But I'm, in my department, they discourage you to lift the prints yourself. I mean, you, you did it because you, they taught you how to do it just in case a situation arises that you can't call crime scene search to come and you know, to, do the prints for you. And, you know, you do want an independent person to lift prints uh, for court purposes. You know, remember, everything I do is for court purposes and for evidentiary matters. But they also told us, hey. You might have a situation where crime search can't get out there. They do teach you how to lift prints. And Harry does a pretty, well, excuse me, Michael does a good job to explaining lifting prints. But it's been our practice, it's been my practice. I don't lift my own prints. Uh, just, again, you want someone, some independent person that, that's not invest, in, invested in your investigation to do some of that scientific work. Because if called in the court, then they are, they're, this, they're just processing the science. They have no in, uh, investment in the process in the manner in which the science was gathered, the evidence was gathered. So that's why we kind of like uh, my department wanted you to call crime scene search. Now, again, I learned how to do it, but that was just for worst case scenarios. And, you know, don't you like how Aguilar, again, let's, I'm using the metaphor as bricks, the trust bricks. And now we're building this this wall. Now we get Aguilar is telling Bosch this information. And Aguilar steers Bosch towards those coffee cans. And again, Bosch realizes that Aguilar must have been in there before to search it. And he realizes that some 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 bullshit is going on with uh Grena, Because, you know, here we are. We now we have evidence because inside those coffee cans, well, one, Bosch again, confirms who Wando 67 is, and the fact that, you know, he has pictures and birth certificates and baptismal documentation, but then also there are uh, check stubs from Breed. Now, just to recap, you know, last episode, we talked about how Bosch called down and talked to Grinya, and Grinya said, hey, um, um, I'll check it out, or I don't know anything about it, and then also to Bosch said, uh, Grignard told uh, Bosch that he went down and talked to Evarabri about this individual. And, yeah, they had no idea who this person is. Now we have documentary evidence to show that someone's lying here. And the fact that the Aguilar pointed it out, again, it's it's another trust brick. You know, we're building this wall, this, this foundation. There's another trust brick that Aguilar and Bosch are building together. And, you know, after... Uh, the Bosch lifts the prints, and they, you know, they finished processing. Uh, and I uh, use processing, you know, very loosely. The the Wando sixty sevens home. We then have Bosch going back to put the prints back into the uh, trunk of his car, and now he puts his gun on, and he's like, okay, now, now, well, one, and I think he, again, he puts his gun on because now he's developed some type of trust with Aguilar. Him having a gun in Mexico is totally illegal; it's against Mexican policies. But Aguilar is now proving that, hey, look. You can trust me. I'm here to do the right thing. And the fact also, too, that there's some bullshit going on with Captain Grignan and in boss, like, now I got to go back to where I trust. And I, and, and I got to have, like, I just explained to you why you have to have your weapon or why cops like to have their weapon on them is because now I'm in a situation where people have been lying to me. And if they're going to lie to you, they might harm me. So I might have to use my weapon to defend myself. You know, when they were, when Bosch and Aguilar were driving um, away from the uh, Wando 67's place, Bosch kind of, you know, uh, praises Aguilar, a reference to the whole coffee cup thing, I mean, coffee can thing. And Aguilar was like some little kid that praised, thank you, great American, for, uh, you know, giving me acknowledgement for the great work I do. And I like how Aguilar just kind of was stoic reference to that. But, you know... Bosch is not ready to trust him totally, and he gives, you know, Aguilar one more different test. And, you know, that test comes with Bosch asks about the Pope and, you know, the whole, you know, the Pope's ranch and the, how close it is to Breed, And Aguilar mulls it over for a while before answering. But he does give Bosch the, the truth that, again, I know the answers. I just want to test you out and see exactly if you're going to give it to me straight. Are you going to slide a little bit because now things are getting things are now getting more serious you know because again Zurillo, aka the pope is a big big time player a covo's already told him that you don't have to envision a drug lord and knowing that they're serious type people so the fact that aguilar has no problem tell, to, talking to bosch at least in a limited fashion about the pope again is another trust brick Another trust break. And it goes back to the big idea that trust is won, not, is not given. And I think now we're getting to the point where Aguilar is winning Bosch's trust. And when Bosch, uh, as Bosch and Aguilar are you know, driving, Bosch said, Well, I thought you said you want to know about my investigations. And this would have been a time for Aguilar to say, Yeah. I'm really not interested anymore. But it seems like Aguilar's trying to get to the truth. You know, in the manner in which one, uh, Bosch and him talk about it, you know, they don't, they don't have a missing person bureau down there. And the fact that Aguilar then sent those missing person reports out to the different counselors in the southern L.A., the fact of the matter that he went and searched Wando's house, saw the Envirobreed, all these things based on what he's doing um, and also, oh yeah, also too, he went and interviewed the individuals around um, where Virabreed and other industrial people come or companies come to pick up day laborers. That he uh, interviewed people who said, "Yeah, we saw this guy go uh, get into that van before." So all these things are are coming together that he suspected not just in Virabreed but other industrial companies when a death or serious injury happened, they sweep it on the rug because even though uh, they don't want the police to show up because even if they're legitimate such an investigation will slow down commerce. And unfortunately, these poor people down in Mexico at this particular time, that it's not worth them to slow down um, the, this commerce to investigate how somebody was seriously hurt, seriously hurt or, or killed. Bosch asked Aguilar to take him to breed. And so they do. So in route there, again, they're still talking. They're talking about different things. And one of the things that uh, Aguilar tells Bosch is that after all his investigation, it pretty much stopped until Bosch called and started asking about Wando 67. And then everything got momentum again, you know, because when Aguilar was trying to fo- follow up on the, um, Wando 67, Captain Grinya stepped in and said, you know, I'll, I'll go over there. I'll take up on it. I'll go ask about Envirobreed." And the fact that then even Grinia tells uh, Aguilar, well, there's nothing to it. Uh, this guy never worked there or something to that effect. He knows that's bullshit. And he knows his supervisor is either complicit or in on what's going on at Envirobreed. So in en Route to Envirobreed, Aguilar um, passes, or they pass, Zarrillo's ranch. And Aguilar then tells Bosch some of the information, some of the historical information about Zarrillo's ranch and the uh, El Templar. You know the the big bull who killed the famous matador, and now you know how the bull just roams around the fence, um, having his having having his reign with all the different heifers, and you know you see you can start seeing the picture developing. You know you got this fence. And along the fence line, you see the bull running around. You know, if you're lucky to get a get a sight of the bull, and then you also then you see the proximity. Because someone could tell you the proximity, but when you see how close the proximity is between Envirobreed and Zuriel zero, zero Ranch, one doesn't have to think too far that there is something going on here. You know, that it's too close. How come that ranch is so close to this particular uh, company? Upon arrival to Envirobreed. Bosh and Aguilar meet uh, Charles Ely, and this individual is is very uncooperative. And see, just the mere fact they got two law enforcement people there, his response and his lack of response, again, again, I'm not, this right here, you don't have to be an investigator to understand, this guy's hiding something. And Right off the bat, Bosch pushes buttons. And the manner in which Bosch pushed buttons to purse or parse words and meanings, like, what do you mean him? I didn't say it was a guy. What do you mean was was not an employee? I never said that. I never knew his How do you know he was not an employee when I didn't give you his name? You know, he started pushing him and putting him, and Bosch does this to put the guy off on, put the guy on defense. Because it's really hard to think of a lie when Police put you on defense. You know, usually that's, you know, you got to be an extremely good liar. And because you got to, you know, to make up a lie, you got to think. And to think, you got um, to have time. But the mere fact that Bosch asked questions in a different manner is to put Ely all on the defensive. And Ely's not used to this. Again, you're, but Ely's an American, but he's... Um, well, he's from the United States, and you know that because he has California tags. When Bosch pulls up, he noticed a car with California tags parked in a particular um, a parking spot. So Ely's is not cooperative, and he's actually kind of pissed off that they're there. And the mere fact, Bosch kind of says, you know, I kind of find it strange that, you know, a guy comes all the way from L.A., you know, 300 miles, and you don't even seem a bit concerned. And that kind of bothers me. And I love that line because again, it automatically puts Ely on the defensive. And Ely kind of asks those guys, asks Bosch and Aguilar to get out of Envirobreed. That you know, you know, you don't have a, you don't have any jurisdiction here. You can, you know, get out of here. And Bosch and Aguilar, you know, they leave Ely's office, but instead of leaving, they go to another office and they interview one of the um, FDA's inspector and bosch finds out that the inspector doesn't really inspect the uh the containers in a manner which you would think an inspector could you know to inspect all the containers he only inspects certain containers so now you get a picture of something's going i mean the guy might be complicit be complicit or just that dumb but now you have an idea that's okay something's going on here now now these pieces are really starting to come together because you know you got the proximity to Zerillo's ranch you have um very uncooperative um, proprietor of the business. And then you have, you know, you interview the FDA, a government employee who says, yeah, really, I just inspect certain containers, you know, and because this is a private entity, you know, I don't have free reign to the whole place. So, you know, Bosch starts to say, okay, there's something going on. So then as they're leaving uh, this inspector's office, they see Ely coming out of a particular area with a mask on And he approaches Bosch really fast, you know, really aggressively, and Bosch stands his ground. And, you know, that's a bully. You know, you get this posture from Ely that he's used to bullying people this way. And, you know, as a cop, as a detective, you get that all the time. And you have some people who wanna stand up to you and show everyone how macho you are, or excuse me, how macho they are, and they wanna, you know, confront the police. Eh, usually those are the type of people who go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been my experience. If you want to get in my person's base, then it's going to come at a cost. And so we're going to, we're going to dance, as I like to call it. In doing this exchange between Bosch and Ely in the office, excuse me, in the hallway, Ely has a, a, a styrofoam cup. And inside the cup, you can see a, f- a fly. And then that's another piece of the puzzle. Uh, because remember, Wando67, his contents had a fruit fly uh, in the contents of his, of his stomach upon, you know, doing an autopsy. So, you know, after they leave, Bosch goes back to the hotel and Bosch retrieves, uh, some three, three messages from Lieutenant Pounds on his home machines, desperately asking Bosch to call him. And <laughs> instead of calling, instead of calling, uh, well, Bosh realized, you know, he's, things have gone on too long. He has to make a call to Lieutenant Pounds. That was the plan, the, the call at least the day, the, the next day, to trek in with uh, Pounds. And instead of calling uh, Pounds directly, Bosh always calls uh, my boy. And he may always go, it's my boy, it's, it's Jer- Jerry Edgar. And so he calls Jerry. But this time, you know, as I said last, last podcast, this time, Jerry doesn't give Bosh... Harry, where you at, Jerry's whispering, and so you know right off the bat something's wrong, and you know again I told you last podcast that that's that's Jerry's you know that's Jerry's line. Hey, Harry, where you at? And the fact that he's whispering, uh, Jerry tells Bosch that everyone's looking at him, and the fact that either and Bosch like well just tell her what's going on. And he said well. They don't. You know, he doesn't know. RHD has it. That Irving's in the um, the 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 box with pounds, and either they think that you're the suspect or you might be the next victim. He just doesn't know because RHD. Everyone's keeping a close uh, a close crop on it. And Bosch assures um, Edgar, "Look, I'll, I'll call in. I just got to make one other phone call, and I'm going to call in." So then Bosch calls uh, one other person. He calls uh, Teresa Carzon. and he, he understood, again, he knows enough about the, the, the politics that the lead medical examiner would do the, the autopsy on any police officer or any high official who is dead. She tells Bosch, you know, hey, Porter was killed by a garage. And then that kind of confirms to Bosch that, you know, the dude with the teardrop tattoo on his eye uh, is probably the doer of, um, of uh, Porter. And one of the things that Teresa asked Bosch, which I, I, I'm, you know, as I sit here and think about it, I'm not sure how I feel about it. But, you know, Teresa asked Bosch, you know, hey, when he gets back, let's keep things on a professional level. You know, we see each other, fine, a professional sense, but, you know, let's just keep it that way. And it didn't seem like Bosch really was really concerned about it. He just says, okay, Teresa. And I guess that's, that's you know that's how their relationship was. You know, their relationship was a relationship of convenience and human need, opposed to any other deep affection for each other. So uh, you know, and Bosch didn't even argue. He said, Okay, Teresa. And that, you know, I don't know if that was sad, or maybe that's just where the situation where their relationship was heading. So after Bosch talks to Teresa, he then calls into uh Pounce's office. Cause again, he told Jerry he's gonna do it, so he does it. And I love this part again from the book, it says. It's Bosh, and then you know, you, Pounce says, "Where are you?" He said, Alley. You left messages. <laughs> Pounce, I'm sorry to chuckle, but Pound says, uh, "I called your hotel or your tape. They said you never checked in." And then um, Bosh says, "I decided to stay on the other side of the border." And Pound says, "Never mind that bullshit, because he <laughs> he knows that Harry, he knows what Harry's doing, but you can't prove it, you know." So then. Pound said, Porter's dead. And then Bosch goes, What? You know, trying his best, you know, to make it seem like he's real. Oh, what happened? I just saw him yesterday. He, and then and I love the fact, and then, you know, he says, What? You know, what happened? I just saw him yesterday. To, to say, because he already knows by Jerry's information just now. And again, how important and vital is Jerry Edgar? Because the fact that when Jerry said they think that you might be the doer means that just like Bosch thought that the bartender told RHD or the cops that yeah this guy this this guy came in flashing his badge he gave a description of Bosch him and Porter he rough Porter up so the mere fact that Bosch right off the bat without being asked about it says I just saw him yesterday gives Bosch some ammunition to push back on hey look you go you guys know I'm not the doer so again you know again from the book I'm still reading from the book you know he said, what? What happened? I just saw him yesterday. And he goes, he, and then, you know, push cuts across says, never mind that bullshit. <laughs> I can't. That's the second time that, that, uh, palace never mind that bullshit. Because he knows, he knows what Harry's doing. He's been around. Again, Palace, you know, he might be a, a bureaucrat and an asshole, but that doesn't mean he's stupid. And I love the fact how he, he keeps calling, he keeps telling Harry, never mind that bullshit. He said, um, "What are you doing down there?" And then <laughs> this is the best part. When Bosh says, "Well, you told me to go where the, ca- the, the, the you told me where the case follows you and led here," and then Powell says, "I never told you to go to Mexico." <laughs> Again, what that implies is well, you never told me not to go to Mexico. So, <laughs> poor Powell, you know, but you know. You know, Harry's playing it just right. He's playing it right down the line. I'm not hiding anything. I told you where I was. I was just following your instructions. I'm doing what I I, I told you where I was going. If I was hiding anything, but I would have put that on the tape. Why would I tell you where to meet me? Where, where, where to get in contact with me again? Because remember, this is this is not the day and ages. The day and age of cell phones. You know, so you left messages on voicemail. You know, for people to contact you. And I like the fact again. pounds yells at him, you know, I want you back here 10 minutes ago. And he goes, this doesn't look good for you. We have a bartender that's that's so helped me Christ. I want to put your dick in the dirt. (laughs) Again, um, Harry just disarmed pounds because he told him, Yeah, just saw him yesterday to confirm. Okay, that's what the bartender said, and I I I followed the evidence where it went and let led me down here to Mexico. And two, you knew what I was doing because I left. um, Excuse me, I guess that's three. You knew what I was doing because I left messages on my tape. How to get in contact with me? And I just like I've told you, I'm following up with you. I'm calling you. I'm calling in like you asked me to do. And I love that. (laughs) And you know, after Pound finishes up. Uh, Irving must ask for the phone, and I like Irving. Goes, Bosch, Deputy Chief Irving. Like, okay, dude, we don't know who the fuck you are. Yes, yes, Deputy Chief Irving. Yes, Where, I want you in my office by O eight hundred the next uh, tomorrow. And this whole interaction between the chief and Bosch, Bosch is standing up to the chief, and Bosch, you know, after this whole interaction, because the chief orders him in, uh, Bosch says, "I can't do that," and. The chief doesn't say you're fired if he doesn't come back. He said you won't have the same job that you had before. And Bosch is right. You know, he's going to get into some type of trouble. And then this is this is based on your seniority and this how much time you have on. You know how to flex and how how much flexing you can do or management and how much you can't. And let's be right now. Okay, right now, only thing Bosch is in trouble for is not coming back into work on his day off. You know, so... It's at the end of the day, what, you you know not following a direct order from a, um, a supervisor, even that's not a fireable offense. You know, so he's not doing. And again, his angle is going to be, I didn't do anything different. And he got he got <laughs> Lieutenant Pounds on the hook because he's you know I can see his union rep say, Well, Lieutenant Pounds, did you tell him to follow the lead wherever it goes? And he goes, Well, yeah. Well, and then Bosch come back, what it led to going down to Mexico. And again, that boss is in trouble because they are like, yeah, asshole, you should have got permission. And there's a whole lot of protocol before you go into another country, you know, to do an investigation from L.A. So again, he knows he can get in a lot of trouble, but he also knows that he has to follow up on this investigation. to take a break here and get into the question of the day and the question of the day is taken from chapter 21 and it states while driving with investigator Aguilar to the home of Wando 67 Bosch decides not to tell Aguilar about his overall investigation was he right to hold back and the two choices was yes you can't trust the locals and no um, locals know a lot and again you know the majority of you said hey uh, yes he was he was right to hold back because you can't trust the locals I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna go with the eighty-three percent yes, but I have to put a but, and as the uh, moderator and, and the host of this podcast, I'm going to invoke privilege here, and the privilege I'm going to put a but in that is, uh, no, you yes you can't you can, he should hold back, but as I've been talking about so far is but you hold back until this guy proves that he is worth. The whole story and so far we have aguilar building the bricks of trust he's winning he's earning bosch's trust by telling him things that bosch already knows and he the big test that um that bosch gives with aguilar was the fact how aguilar uh talked about the pope because that's a big risk he, again here you got a drug lord and now aguilar is talking to bosch about the pope so it's yes but <laughs> so i need mean, again 83% of you said yeah uh hold back you, you you can't trust them and 17% of you guys said nah state and locals know a lot so i'm going to do a yes but and i also like to again thank everyone for subscribing to the podcast and following us on Facebook and Twitter is this is incredible i love the, the feedback, I love the growth that we're doing together, and I say we because I can't do this by myself. You guys uh, give me fuel, and I really appreciate it. So again, please keep the the comments coming. Thank you so much for for answering the polls and just your interaction fuels me. And again, if you like this podcast, please don't uh, please don't hesitate and share share the podcast with your friends and family. And, uh, you know, again, ask them, you know, to give us five stars or more. But uh, thank you again so much. And uh, back to hitting the streets. And so now we have um, Bosch after he makes the phone calls and he have him now about to receive. uh, He receives Special Agent Ramos, who is very excited. And Bosch notes that. Romo seems so jazzed, as he used the word jazzed up, and he just sees the state in which Romo's dress and his smell. And you have to understand undercover work. Undercover work, you I don't know how experienced Bosch is right here, but let me tell you, the listeners, when it comes to undercover work, you have to immerse yourself in your culture. You have to immerse yourself into whatever role you're playing. And it wouldn't look good for, again, not to say that the Mexicans down there are smelling their, their, their aroma takes up the whole room in which Bosch had to kind of open the window or sit by the window and mask the smell of, um, of Romo's, but the, the manner, but you have to sit, you have to be part of the culture. And we, again, we don't know what Romo's role is, but you have to, you know, he's, He's portraying a, a Mexican and probably a poor Mexican. And so I just want you to understand, you the listeners, understand that Ramos is Ramos is immersed in an undercover role. So he has to play the part. During the conversation, uh, Ramos talks to Bosch about Envirobreed and how Envirobreed, after DEA did some back uh, background work, come to find out that Envirobreed is a front company. For one of Zerio's lieutenants, and again, this is not common knowledge. But drug companies need legitimate companies or front companies to mask the sales and distribution of their illicit narcotics. And this is a classic, easy to see, very not that that intricate or intricate. Excuse me, a front company. Here we got a company who has legitimate business in mexico and in the united states who probably have privileges across the border um, with with a, uh, contain containers that quote unquote is already inspected at Mexico and it is sealed going across the border. so there's really no need to inspect it even further or you can't open up the containment or the canisters without damaging the actual product which now are the fr- are the flies or the fruit flies. So this is a classic setup for a front company. This is a classic setup for as a front company for Zarao's uh, listen narcotics. And now we have Ramos telling Bosch that everything is about to go, but only thing they need is to, to document and, and to get information on how is the narcotics getting from the um, ranch to Envirobreed. Now they say it's, it's possibly the tunnels and Ramos tells the DA has everything. You have all people trying to get some information about this particular tunnel, but no one knows about it right now. But as soon as they get that, they're about to rock and roll. And Ramos also tells Bosch that DEA has have, has eyes on dance and Zarillo. And both of them are observed at uh, Zorillo's ranch, you know, shooting, uh, shooting their weapons. So uh, that's another reason why um, Ramos said he was jazzed up because things are falling into place. So also then Ramos tells uh, Bosch that everyone's on standby and DEA's cl- team. And <laughs> again, what i love about michael is that he interweaves different books now we're in the second book and he's making reference back to things that were established in the first book the black um the black echo and he always he always talked about these acronyms that law enforcement has. And again, it's not just state and locals with these acronyms, it's the feds also. And so now we have DEA with this CLET team that stands for clandestine Laboratory Enforcement Team. I mean <laughs> again, just like Michael said, Black back in the Black Echo, it, it demotes or it promotes, excuse me, action that, you know, is exciting. And again, your team ain't shit unless you have some type of acronym for your team. And so now we have you know, Bosch, you know, saying he hate these acronyms of law enforcement. But there is, you know, which is easier to say. I'm part of the clandestine laboratory enforcement team or I'm part of Clet. <laughs> and again, 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 to show you uh sign of the times, um, Bosch it receives a pager from Ramos t- t- telling him that DEA will, will call you when they're ready to rock and roll. And so just, you know, go out and get some sun, you know, taking a bullfight or whatever. And, but he gives him a pager. And again, that just tells you the, the state of communications back in the 90s, you know, the early 90s. You know, and one of the things that, again, I think now the trust with Aguilar, Bosch has enough trust with Aguilar because when Ramos gives um, Harry the pager, Harry says, hey, what about my, my what about um, Aguilar? Um, and again, from the book, I know you don't, but that's the way it is here. You got to understand, trust no one. You may be working with the the last honest cop in Mexicali. But do you want to bet your life on it? And to some extent, again, Ramos is is correct. You know, you're in another country, Harry, and this is how things are. And you know, you have to pay to become a law enforcement officer or detective, and you got to pay to play and all that kind of stuff. And again, he might be, he is an Aguilar might be the last honest cop in Mexicali, but do you want to bet your life on it? And I thought that was, that's a great line. And, you know, and then after Ramos leaves, Bosch is looking out the window, you know, at an accident. And as he starts to turn his, you know, as he has a beer, a beer bottle in his hand and it shatters from a bullet, you know, and Bosch goes into the defensive crouch and then, He rushes to uh, room 504 of the hotel he's staying at uh, to see where the shooter came from and see if he can engage the shooter. And, you know, after that, he then gets the resolve to go to Envirobreed because he's thinking, wait a minute, there must be something going on because I'm scratching at something that people want to eliminate me. And what's the difference? I just came from Envirobreed and now someone's taking a shot at me. They didn't take a shot at me before You know, whomever knew I was here, but now some other players know where I'm staying and now they want to eliminate me. So what was it in Envirobreed? So Harry has uh, developed the resolve to go to Envirobreed. And while there, we see he already had uh, uh, a plan in motion to how to gain access to Envirobreed. And he he remembered the defense uh, surrounding Envirobreed was electrified because there was a big sign that said that, and also that the, the fence area contained dogs. So to overcome both of those impediments, Bosch, one, um, feeds the dogs uh, some well drug-laced meat that contains sleeping pills. And then he also has the floor mats from the car that, once the dogs drop, he scales the fence, put the uh, floor mats on the electric, electrical portion of the fence, and then climbs over. And he, you know, he gains entry to Envirobreed. Now, after um, this portion of this whole interaction, I understand why Michael put it there. I'm not sure how realistic it is. But, you know, Bosch is in a foreign country and he breaks into Envirobreed. And we see the manner in which he breaks into Envirobreed. And, but one thing that is established here that Michael, uh, that Harry has a set of picks. And again, this is the second time he has, he's used his picks. And the fact is that, again, that's one of his trademarks that he breaks into places using his his technique of how to, how to uh, pick locks. But the fact that Harry breaks into a company, an international company, one of the things that I, that that wrong true to me is his description of these damn Dobermans. I hate Dobermans. I truly and reason I hate Dobermans, and I'm not sure you as the listeners have you ever dealt with a Doberman as an adversary, because. Again, they're great house pets. If, if, they, if you, they know you, they're great. But the thing about Dobermans that I found out from other dogs is that Dobermans don't announce their presence until they're up on you. And that's what's sneaky about them. Most dogs, you see them, they come barking around the corner, bark, 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 bark. Dobermans are some slick, slick fuckers. They wait until they're close to you and then they bite you. <laughs> so you don't know, you know. And the fact that um, Harry describes Excuse me. Michael describes how the Doberman came around the corner uh, just before Bosch went over the fence, and they were salivating and you know, the whole nine yards. Again, not barking. Here they got the strange guy on the side of the fence. Most dogs will sit there and bark, 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 bark. Doberman's not. So they kind of lull, lull you into a sense of well, maybe they're not as bad as I think or as menacing as I think. But yeah, I hate Dobermans. Uh, after Bosch gains in, uh, access into Envirobreed, uh, he's searching around. And he gets into Ely's office and he finds some paper in a trash bin. And inside the trash bin, he finds a, a crumpled up piece of paper that says Colorado, Colorado uh, 504. Again, remember, uh, Colorado is the hotel where Bosch is staying at. And room 504 was the hotel, excuse me, was the room in which the shot, the person who took a shot at Bosch was staying. And so now we have Ely as is somehow complicit in the assassination or the attempt murder of Bosch. And, you know, we also have Bosch locates a shovel with a new handle. And, again, just taking you back to the autopsy of Wando 67, as, it, as you know, they were looking for wood fibers because it looked like, you know, he was struck uh, uh, by some type of uh, a wooden item. So, again, all the other shovels that Bosch sees are dirty, old, and, and worn. But now you have this one shovel handle, who is brand new and fresh. So again, it doesn't take a uh, rocket scientist to see the puzzles of where Wando-67 died. is right here in Envirobreed. And again, while Bosch is searching uh, Envirobreed, he goes into the radiation room. And again, Bosch says, everything about this room says, keep out, keep out, keep out. And he then finds the uh, trapdoor uh, under some crates. And it, this trapdoor looks like it leads to a tunnel and so so now we have the piece now the tunnel breed, and in this particular room where it says radiation stay away stay away and but then he, bosch remembers oh shit um remembering the day before when i was in ely's office he had a camera a a, a a video bank of different cameras and none of the cameras showed this room but then he sees a red dot on the wall it says somebody's monitoring this room so bosch you know, hastily gets out of there. You know, he, he rushes to get the hell out of there. So Bosch quickly retraces steps to leave in But upon him, uh, about before he about to leave, he hears the approach of some cars coming and some men getting out of vehicles. So he definitely knows he was seen because um, they all these men come out with guns and they, they they go into the place, like, you know, Michael describes it as cops with their guns up. So he's definitely was seen. Inside and vibrate. so he's like, "Oh shit!" So, but one cool thing he does is that, um, that he waits, and Bosch waits and waits till the guys go inside and vibrate. And I like, you know, again, Michael, it, it tugs at my heart. And again, I already told you about, you know, he said, and once the guys went inside, you know, that was Bosch's cue to leave. So he started the caprice and pulled out into the road. And then again from the book, as he sped away, he realized that once again he was shaking with the release of tension, the high of a good scare. Sweat was running down his hair and drying in the cool night air on his neck. So my everyone counts or no one counts person for chapters 21 through 24 is Investigator Aguilar. And the reason I want to choose Investigator Aguilar was to get his patience, but he shows that he's also a good cop. And his patience by understanding the, the, the persona he has to, or the stereotype, excuse me, that he has to overcome. And the fact is that he has to overcome this stereotype, but he also wants to get to who killed Wando 67 and the fact that he was patient with Harry and the show that he took the unusual step because now he knows how dangerous it is because Harry was talking about the the Pope and he talked about the Pope. And again, a drug lord in a, in a place that's run by a drug lord and the fact that he led Bosch to... The, the coffee cans with the with the um, Envirobreed pay stubs, the fact that he sent the uh, the business the person information to the L.A. consulates, the fact of the matter is that he was, again, patient with Harry, shows me that everyone counts or so no one counts in these chapters is Investigator Aguilar. So that concludes this episode's Thin Blue Line podcast, Harry Bosch, chapters 21 through 24. And again, thanks a lot for your patronage and hanging in with me and hanging in there with me. I do appreciate it. And if you're so inclined, um, don't forget to check out our webpage, our website at thethinbluelinepod.com. And there, I don't know if you know, but there is a lot of content with Harry Bosch and michael connelly and i make a lot of different references to the books concerning music and artwork that michael talks about throughout these particular two books so far so uh, don't again don't forget to check us out and again you know please share us with your friends and family again tell them that We are on Apple, Google, Spotify, hell, YouTube. I got a YouTube channel also that you can listen to us also. So there's a lot of different ways to follow this particular uh, podcast. And again, when you tell them to go there, make sure they um, uh, rate us five stars or better. So next up for review is going to be chapters 21 through 29 of The Black Ice. Again, thanks a lot for listening. I'll talk to you later. Bye.